So just some quick announcements here. If we don't have your email address, I strongly encourage you to sign up on the sign-in sheet so we can add you to our database. This is kind of how we send out updates and information, um, important information. So this is how we can keep in touch with you. So if you haven't, um, you just put your hand up. We can pass this to you if there's anybody. Oh, there's some people in the back. Can you pass this to them so that they can sign in and add their email? Perfect. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> also, for those of you that don't know, January 1st um, was New, New Year's Day, and we were actually here for a Sunday. And we used that Sunday to really give understanding um, of the biblical precedence for fasting, for prayer and fasting. So, And we actually were launching our 21-day fast as a community. So we kind of shared um, biblically the precedence, how God has moved for, through prayer and fasting. But ultimately, we gave understanding of how it positions and postures our own hearts. Um, so the 22nd, we will be here, which is a week from today, and we're actually ending our fast together as a community with a potluck. Um, so for anybody that's here, you're more than welcome to come, and if you would like to bring a dish and contribute to the potluck, we're just asking that people would get put their name on here and the dish that they're bringing, just so we can get an idea of what we're lacking and what from amongst our team we need to provide. Um, all the paper products, all of those things will be here. Um, but if there's something that you'd like to bring. So next week, just basically immediately after service, we're going to break bread together and have a potluck together and even celebrate the completion of our fast. <laughs> that always is a, a bittersweet thing when you finish a fast. It's the, the triumph of coming through it, but almost like, I know for me when I'm ending a fast, it's usually such a great season in my life that there's a part of me that's going, oh, that's over. Like, I can't believe 21 days went by so fast. So, not that you need to sign this now, this will be in the kitchen. So after service, if you could put your name and whatever you're bringing, that will be there. Um, so basically what I want to do today is because we're going to take time to do baptisms and actually the people that are being baptized are going to be able to share as far as their salvation experience and testify. There's a power of testimony when we share what Jesus has done in our lives. So we're going to have time for testimony and we specifically want to minister to those people that are being baptized today and really believe for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit for breakthrough, healing, deliverance in areas of bondage. And so we're going to minister and pray for those people. But really what I want to do is before we move on to discussing baptism, I kind of want to recap. If you weren't here for January 1st um, and didn't really get to hear the message that was taught on fasting, there's two, probably two groups of people here. Some of you may not be participating in the fast, which is wonderful and glorious. Um, and there's a group here that's maybe participating in the fast. But also there may be a group that's participating in the fast, but we're kind of two weeks in, you have a week to go, and for those of you that have done any kind of fasting, you know that sometimes through your fast you have ups and you have downs. You have times where you break it and you kind of go, I can't do this, it's too difficult, it's too hard, my nerves are shot. You know, all of those kind of things. There's some of you that are fasting media that probably halfway through have come to the place of kind of going, I haven't watched a show, I haven't logged into Facebook, I kind of need a mental let down and I'm going to, you know, almost lapse on my fast. And this is what I want to say to you. When you're fasting and in the midst of fasting, that I, I encourage you, instead of kind of finishing out with going, I can't do this, that whenever you kind of feel as though, and I'm using the word, I'm not saying that you failed, but you feel like you failed in your fast, I encourage you to sign on again, to just recommit yourself. Even if you didn't continue, and if you look and you say, there's one week left of this fast, 
that kind of just press delete, wipe the slate clean from the first two weeks. Don't think, oh, I failed. I'm going to say this to you. The posture of your heart of even desiring to fast, regardless of how you've executed it and how well you feel like you've done at it, the Lord is pleased. The Lord is pleased with the intention and the longing of your heart to draw near to him. So don't allow any ups and downs in the roads to cause you to say, oh, I didn't do it well, so I'm not going to continue. I just encourage anybody here, and even if you haven't been a part of the first um, two weeks of it, if you kind of want to join in this last week, I encourage you to do that. And basically what I'm going to do is that teaching was like a whole 45 minutes, but I'm going to just give you in a nutshell um, what we looked at regarding prayer and fasting. Um, and basically, for those of you that are familiar in Luke 5, 35, most of you know, basically, when the question came to Jesus, how come it is that the disciples of John the Baptist, they come fasting, but the disciples of Jesus come eating and basically sitting among sinners? And the question basically was, why is there such a stark contrast? And basically, the words of Jesus in Luke 5, 35, is he basically said, well, when the bridegroom is in your midst, you are not going to fast. Meaning, when you have the fullness of who he is, there's no need. You have the fullness of Christ among you. But he says, when the bridegroom is taken away, then. And he actually doesn't say, you might, or there's a possibility, or there's a remnant that might, or he's saying, then you will fast. And we looked at several passages of scripture that basically the context was then you will fast or when you fast, this is how you are to do it, of giving the understanding that it's actually a part of normal, healthy Christianity. Amen. It's part of who we are as believers. It's actually not like a radical group of a remnant people that do some kind of crazy discipline. It's a part of our discipline of how we seek the Lord and really even how we incline our ear to hear from him. And part of what we looked at that first week was there are some definite mysteries to prayer and fasting. I mean, it's not a science. You can't lock it down on paper. Even when you look at it scripturally, there's a realm of kind of saying, what is it about abstaining from food? What is it about even abstaining? It could be from entertainment, from media, from whatever it may be. But what is it? And ultimately, there's a realm of mystery, but there is a real, real, even simple understanding of that place. It's almost as if, even in the natural, if you want to make room in your house for new furniture, usually what you do is you get rid of something old. There's, there's a very practical sense of you're making room in your heart. That's really what it is. It's basically saying, I'm pushing some things aside. And hear me, we went last week all through different points of even understanding there is a realm of intercession on behalf of a nation. There's other realms where Daniel in Daniel 10, he prayed and he fasted, and it gives you a picture into the spirit realm of it moving angels and demons. So those are all very practical, uh, real realities of prayer and fasting. But what we were talking about in this first 21 days is simply at the onset of a new year of saying we want to posture our hearts and if, if, basically, if the mystery of fasting, too, is kind of like, I don't get it, it doesn't, I know my father even actually said to me, he's like, it doesn't make you more holy, or, you know, he was kind of trying to, and I just said to him, I said, Dad, if you think about it this way, it's just an intensified way of seeking the Lord. It, that's really all that it is. It's setting apart a period of time of saying, I'm hungry for more of you. 
And really what we looked at that first week, ultimately with the issue of fasting, is it is an issue of hunger, but what we're hungry for. And I'm not just limiting that in the place of food, of abstaining from food, but the issue of hunger. You cannot say that you're truly hungry unless your hunger actually drives you to change certain things. You cannot say even that you're hungry for change in your life unless... It drives you to alter your priorities and your time. And, the, and really what we looked at that first week is, in, in more of the reality of our lives, until we come to the place that we are willing to radically alter our time and our priorities and make adjustments, more the reality is we, what we actually should say to the Lord, God, I want to be hungry for you. I may not actually be at the place even now that I'm willing to alter anything, but God, I want to be hungry. Because if we truly are hungry, it's going to produce a change. And this was actually one of the things that I had read that first week. Our hunger isn't hunger unless it drives us to change, to reprioritize, and to alter our lives in order to ob obtain the object of our hunger. Hunger is when we cannot live without more, when we make radical alterations to our lifestyle in order to pursue God. A good way to measure the reality of our hunger is to measure the extent in which we rearrange our lives, our time, our money, and our comforts to, to pursue that which is the object of our hunger. That really is a good way to gauge how hungry are we, is to the degree that we're willing to alter those things. Um, the other passage of scripture, I'm just going to recap really quickly, is Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 says, you will call upon me and go pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me, and you will find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. And really what we began to look at is in, in this passage in Jeremiah, that the Lord says that I will be found by you, but really the prerequisite was, he said, when you search for me with all of your heart. It's the, that place of wholeheartedness. And really what we began to define is that he will be found for us when we pursue him with a genuine heart. And really, this is what always amazes me about fasting. Even if I'm not like really provoked or desiring to fast, when I'm in the midst of a fast, it's almost as if my heart gets awakened to the very little hunger I do have for God. Because something in fasting gets awakened to the fullness of God and even desiring more of the fullness of God. I honestly believe that most of us have no awareness of truly the dullness of our heart spiritually meaning our lack of longing, our lack of desire, even our lack of being um, sensitive to the voice of God. And that's really ultimately what fasting does. It sensitizes us to the Spirit of God. It tenderizes our heart to the Spirit of God. And so I just want to encourage everyone in this place, if you're just simply in a place of going, I want my spirit to be more tenderized. I want my heart to be tenderized. I want to position my life to hear the Lord more clearly. And even that place of saying, I do desire the fullness of God. I would just encourage you to kind of jump on. Oops. Sorry. Text messages for some reason are coming through. <laughs> I would just encourage you to posture yourself this last week with us um, in whatever manner. And we basically went over it. It doesn't have to be food. It's very effective to do a Daniel fast. Um, but it could be something by way of entertainment. And that's really where we discuss the issue of our time. That oftentimes, if we look at our life, that the amount of time that we're making room to sit before the Lord and to hear his voice versus the amount of time that we're making room to catch up on our favorite TV series 
or even to check the statuses of man on Facebook rather than being hungry to know even the status of God's heart. I mean, it's, it's a true gauge of where our hearts and our priorities and, our, and what we're hungry for. Um, so I would just encourage you to this last week, and if you guys do want the outline from the first week that really goes through biblically the precedence of prayer and fasting and the different ways to pray and fast, um, I can get a copy of that, and I think that the teaching is online. Um, yeah, Will saying it's on. But Wait, from, um, from last week or from first, the first week? Yep, first yep. one. Last first week, week is coming. Okay. Um, and then last week we actually were going over understanding biblically baptism. And basically what we did last week is we just opened up Romans 6 and went all the way through the chapter of Romans 6, which we don't really have time to do today. But just to recap, can you turn down that heat? Because maybe I'll talk. <laughs> I'm like, the heat is pumping in here. Um, but just to recap the understanding of baptism, because um, that's actually what we're going to do today, is if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 6. This was actually a really good study, even for people that aren't preparing to be baptized. Basically, what we talked about is, this is the understanding of what it is to be dead, buried, and raised together with Christ, and the life that we are to reveal. Um, so we're going to look at Romans 6 just briefly today, but um, ultimately, what baptism signifies is the remission and washing away of our sins. It can precede or it can follow the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, in verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall, shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do we not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in his likeness of his death, certainly we also should be united together in likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer live as slaves to sin. This, you know, we're not going to go kind of like we did verse by verse last week, but the understanding that this gives you the picture that baptism, it's, it's a representation, it's actually a prophetic act of saying that our old man, our sinful nature, nature it has been crucified with Christ, that it's dead, it's now buried, and we are now raised together with Christ. And when Paul declares that basically... That the grace of God abounds, but does that mean that we continue in sin? Basically, what we looked at last week was the understanding two things. We defined what is sin, but also what is grace. Because Paul goes on further to talk about the issue of sin and grace. And if you actually skip ahead to verse 11, it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So this passage of scripture, the whole chapter, Romans 6, actually has great controversy surrounding it. It does, because when you look at it, ultimately what you're confronted with is where he says that we're dead to sin. The question becomes, if you're still struggling in sin... How am I still start struggling in sin if supposedly Paul says that my sin nature has been crucified and is buried? But what we need to understand is that where he says, 
let sin no longer reign in your mortal body. The word reign, there it actually is meaning to reign over you as a king. It means as if it rules over you and you live in submission and as a slave to sin. So the understanding is Paul is not discounting that as mortal people, you will have sin and temptation that rage against you and even come to torment you as a tyrant, but not that place of it ruling and reigning over you as king that you are subject to obey. And basically what he's painting the picture of is that place of, and ultimately it's a picture of hope, that you were not intended to be overcome by sin. You are not, it is not God's fashion, it is not God's, the way he's ordained it and destined it and created it for you to live in a place where you are constant subservient and serving the sin nature. And what he's giving you is the hope of saying, through Christ Jesus, you are not a slave to sin. But oftentimes, the false grace message that has been preached, it has so stripped us even of the hope of being free from sin, that place of saying that grace covers, and that somehow grace and enables us to be washed clean. And understand this, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, but the grace of God is not an enabler for us to remain in sin and in constant defeat. That actually contradicts the very crucifixion and blood of Jesus Christ. That he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. The grace of God is to empower you to walk in holiness, to walk in righteousness. And this is even in the very beginning of the first few verses that I read to you, where it says that even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be united together in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. See, it really is, it's not understanding, when we begin to talk about issues of sin and even grace, there is absolutely no condemnation, and that's not saying that if you're struggling or bound and even addicted in areas to sin, that you're not a Christian, or that somehow the power of Christ isn't working within you. What I actually firmly believe is that it's probably on your inner man, your belief system, that you've come into agreement that you will live in defeat. So instead of actually rising up and contending against those things that war against your soul, it's a place of constant defeat, of somehow this is my portion and just the grace of God needs to cover me. But that is the place of defeatism. But when we understand that through the cross that he's made a way for us to walk free from sin. And hear me, like I said earlier, it's prefaced with the understanding. Each one of us need to live a life of resisting temptation. It's not to say that there isn't a place where um, we may battle against. But it's the understanding that it's not reigning over us as king. Where he said that word reign. But it's as a place that we can resist and oppose and, and come against it as it's a tyrant coming against our soul, not as one that we're held captive to. Um, the last passage of scripture in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not, not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present, your, present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether to sin leading to death or to obedi ob obedience leading to righteousness? I'm just going to read this to you. The, the representation of baptism, this is what one com commentator says, 
is that we are dead to sin. Our baptism signifies our cutting off from the kingdom of sin. We profess to, to have no more to do with sin. We are dead to sin by the participation of virtue and the power and the killing of it, and by our union with Christ and our interest in him. Um, we Let me just see if there's any more specifically. Oh, you know what? I was just reminded, several people said to me last week that it was actually a very funny word picture, but people said that it really like hit home and gave them a greater understanding of baptism. So I'm just going to finish with this, and then we're actually going to move on to te testimonies. But last week I was actually talking about the two different um, Greek words for baptism. And an application that really caused people to understand is that the only way to describe in the Greek the word baptism, and several commentators go back to it, is that basically that there was a, a man that was writing down the ingredients of how you actually make pickles. And for all of us in the room, if you don't know, a pickle actually comes from a cucumber. Like it's the vegetable that's a cucumber, and through a process it becomes a pickle. And basically what he says is the two different words even for baptism and understanding them is number one, the cucumber gets taken and it's actually immersed in boiling water. It's like taken, it's plunked down, and then it's taken out. But when it comes out of the boiling water, it's still a cucumber. It hasn't changed, its composition hasn't changed, it's still a cucumber. But he actually goes on to say, but then you take and you then immerse the, the cucumber in vinegar. But he basically says that as it's soaking in the vinegar, it actually, when it comes out, it's no longer a cucumber. It's now become a pickle. It, is, it, it could never go back to becoming a cucumber again. After that, and that's the word baptism that's used, once it's immersed in that vinegar, it's forever changed. And he actually said that in the Greek, that's the same understanding of baptism is that when we are immersed in, in that process and even in that prophetic act of baptism, that when we are, uh, come up from the water, that we are completely, when he says that you, you are now a new creation, that there's the new life of Christ dwelling in you, that you actually can never go back to being a cucumber. <laughs> you, know, you can never go back to that former reality because from within you've been completely altered and changed and it really is a prophetic act. That's really what it is. It's a representation of our life being immersed ultimately. That there's that crucifixion that takes place of our, our sin nature and that from the inside, and that's even what we're believing today that supernaturally, the very, very desires of these individuals, they, they come to the place of desiring more of Jesus and that the sin nature loses power. Um, so there's really power in baptism, but what we're going to do is two things. is um, Crystal's going to share her testimony, and then we're going to have Audrey. Oh, there you are. Audrey. Audrey is going to share her testimony, and so is Lexi. Um, and basically the way to make our testimony super easy is I'm going to just ask them questions concerning how they met Jesus so that it doesn't put them in a place of almost having, it's, it is odd when you have to carry on a one-way conversation <laughs> with a group of people and no one's talking back. So we're going to alleviate some of the difficulty of that. Um, but Crystal, for those of you that don't know you, why don't you stand up? This is Crystal, and Crystal, why don't you tell us how you met Jesus? Okay. Um, I met the Lord actually in a moment, um, there was just breakdown in my life. I financially broke down. I was in a very serious relationship with my boyfriend at the time. And um, it just was like every, I don't know how to explain it other than it was just empty feeling. There was a financial breakdown where I was in um, a, a new job and 
taxes came up and I had credit cards and just all of that. And I started just seeking the Lord ultimately in my finances. And um, all of, and in my room one day, I just sat before the Lord going to bed and I'm just like, God, like, if you're real, like, I've got to know because I'm the type of person that's always been like, okay, either it's for real or it's a complete joke and I don't want anything to do with it. And, um, just kind of went before the Lord and I had back issues, um, and just cried out to the Lord. And in a moment I met him and he just transformed my life. Like there was a place of, I remember going to Bethany being like, I think I'm going to get a second job. I think I'm gonna, you know, just put all that effort. And he, and I just felt the Lord saying, go into prayer, go into the place of prayer. And it just, it really was even how Bethany said, like, that immersion that happens with the pickle into the vinegar, that it's as you immerse yourself in that, that it literally transforms your life. And that's really how I met the Lord. Um, do you want me to just keep, I can share more details, or do you want to ask more questions? Yeah, no, why, why don't you share specifically, okay. like, almost um, your life prior to Absolutely. encountering the Lord, okay. and then, because the, even specifically the testimony of walking out of areas Absolutely. of sin. Okay. Um, so just to kind of um, go, I'll just kind of start over even of previous to my life. Um, I grew up in the church, um, grew up with a family that loved the Lord, still loves the Lord. And um, kind of as I got into probably my middle school years to my high school years, it just became, to me, I saw a lot of professing, but not a lot of walking it out. And to me, going into high school with all the pressures that comes along with high school, um, it, it wreaked havoc on me, really. Um, I ended up making decisions um, to go out and just do it. I became very rebellious even to my parents, just arguing all the time, like just the stuff that goes on in high school, really. Um, my senior year of high school is when I really got involved with um, my boyfriend at the time, and that lasted about five years. And really fell into promiscuity in that. Um, went out partying, went out drinking, wasn't always faithful. And um, in that place is really where the emptiness came. Is, you, is, is I saw even an emptiness that I saw in people that were professing the Lord, certain people in my life. And um, always kind of knew the truth, but never felt like I actually had the truth for myself, if that makes sense. And... Um, just fell into that, even sexual immorality in that place. And really what happened is it just, it, I just remember just being miserable, really, is the way that I can explain it. Um, just, a, just a miserableness came over, an emptiness um, and anger. I was extremely anger, would burst out, just have bursts of anger over minor, minor things. And um, just started kind of, and finances was actually the one thing that triggered it, I guess, was that like, like as much as I felt the emptiness, it wasn't like an awareness of the emptiness and it triggered it and just started attending churches even before I even said yes to the Lord, just was like, okay, maybe I, my dad told me, he's like, you should just tithe. Like that's how the, like the Lord answers your prayers. And I'm like, okay. So I just started going to churches and um, in that time, every single place I went, it was like the Lord just continued to chase after me. He, he, and that's probably the number one thing I can say 
is that it never, it, it did come to a place of going, okay, I need to choose to say yes. But the chasing of the Lord that he has for us, the pursuit that he had after my life, I look back now and encounter after encounter that I had with taxi cab guys on a Halloween night coming home from partying in downtown of just how the Lord was after my heart. And it just, it almost came, like, I just, I broke in that place. And the one thing that he's constantly and continued to talk to me about um, is the place of trust, even, of trusting him, the places where I had broken relationships in my life, the place where even trust was broken of the very people that I gave myself to, where there was that trust completely broken time and time and time again. And the Lord's continued to say, trust me. And, it, and the one actually that was coming to my mind was, um, even I don't know if you guys have ever seen the story, the Aladdin movie where he's like on the magic carpet and he's looking at Jasmine. He's like, do you trust me? And the Lord so constantly had that going on. Trust in me. Trust me. Come and trust me. And that began, that question that he asked me, I remember I shared it with Jordan once back in, back in the beginning of everything. And from that journey, it's, I mean, he has set me free from um, just a sexual brokenness. That, that's probably the number one thing that the Lord really, really honed in. And I just even wanted to share beyond what I got set free from, but even the struggle in the midst of that over the years, of the struggle of even what Beth was saying, of not letting sin reign over us. Because there, I, I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend when I got saved. It was a six-month process and getting set free from that and the drama that goes along with breakups. And um, it was an emotional brokenness that I had. And it was, it was really constantly trust in the Lord, trust in me. And, the, and um, really what ended up happening through that time is... I mean, I had to take drastic, drastic measures that I felt the Lord was taking, whether it was from turning off the Facebook, you know, changing the phone number, like everything that would present itself to go back to that old lifestyle. It was a complete remove yourself from that lifestyle and watch me move. And it's, it's forget that identity and watch me transform you. And that's really, I mean, I would get on the phone, whether it was with Jordan or even Bethany, and just cry over the places of, why does my mind keep going in this path? Why, does my, why do I feel like there's a heart longing or a desire inside of me to go the very direction I don't want to go? And it was that constant pulling, that constant um, come this way, this is what you're used to, this is who you are. And it was a constant turning aside and choosing to trust in the Lord. And the one um, scripture verse that the Lord's continued to speak to me through is even Proverbs 3. Of trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and he will direct your paths. And it goes on to say, and this will bring healing to you. And that's so what the Lord has constantly spoken to me of. Trust in me. I'll direct you where you need to go in the hardest of places of going to bed at night and going, I just want to call him. 
I just want to talk to him. He was my this, and he was my best friend, and this, that, and the other thing, and all these logical excuses that I had to run towards that as a comfort to me in my brokenness. I, it was a constant laying it, going to the Lord and going, God, this is what I want to do. I want to go out and do this. I want to talk to this person or I want to talk to that person. But it was a constant laying before the Lord and going, I trust you. And I trust that you're going to take me where you desire to take me. I trust that this sin in my life, that this place of brokenness will be overcome. And not because of my own waving my arms and battling against it, though there is a place of battling. But it's ultimately looking back and going, it's nothing that I've done. It's simply because of his mercy and his grace and his pursuit after me and constantly going, I trust you. I trust you. And the second part of that verse is, this will bring healing to your flesh and your bones of trusting in the Lord in Proverbs 3. And that's the one thing that it's like, as you trust in me, there will be healing. As you lay, and it's that even Bethany mentioned to me last week of presenting yourself to the Lord. Present yourself to me is what he's saying. Present in all your brokenness, in all your weakness, present yourself to me and trust that I have it all together. And that's probably the number one thing that the Lord's constantly, because of relationships, that it's trusting was extremely hard for me, extremely painful even to, to try to step into that place of being vulnerable again with someone or trusting someone and the Lord trusting even my heart because I had given my heart away and I had given myself already away to someone where it was coming back and going, I give myself to you. And um, there's been healing tremendously in my life. Um, he's changed me from the inside out, literally. Um, even the whole presentation, I mean, there's people that have seen me and been like, I don't even recognize you. Like, what? Like, there's just a complete transformation that the Lord has done in my life. And the place of even, um, even to speak to single people of trusting the Lord that he does have someone for you. Because that was a constant, I, I mean, it was five years of relationship of going, God, like maybe he is the one. Like, yeah, this and that and the other thing. But you still question and you still want it. But it's like going back to the place of trust in me. I have the right person for you. I have that already planned. Just trust in me. Walk in obedience. And it will, ha like, I will make it happen whether it's supposed to happen or not. And you're going to be okay with that because it's in my will anyway. And um, that's really, um, I don't know if you want me to go into any more detail or anything, but that's really where um, it re was for me of just trust in him, you know, and his, his heart after you. He's so trustworthy and he's so faithful to bring us through even the worst, the just brokenness, you know, where you can, so many times I sat and like, well, they just don't understand. Well, they just don't get it. They don't, they can't, they don't understand where I've come from or what I've been through. And it's, but the thing is, is the Lord understands whether any man understands or not. And he holds us so closely and so tenderly that no matter how broken we've been emotionally, no matter how we've been broken in the place of broken relationship or anything, he will hold us um, very, very closely. 
and set us free and it's glorious it's a carpet ride <laughs> it's yeah. it's extreme <laughs> it's it is it's amazing and i just my heart leaps with joy over how i can look even back and go i am so, thank you god for breaking into my life and make and, and breaking up with this kid thank you god for setting me free from um, immorality and promiscuity. Thank you, God, for the joy that you've given to me in replacement of a Friday night or a Saturday night of emptiness. And it's so good. It's so good. And he's so faithful that no matter how much you doubt, no matter how much you even go, God, am I ever going to feel you again? Like, like, and your desire almost overtakes you sometimes. You feel that inside of you just overtake you. But it's like there's that place of going, God, I can't. Without you, I cannot do this. So take me on this journey. And I just want to say it's so worth it. And it's so, it's so beautiful. And he's so faithful. And he's trustworthy to take you from your sin and give you life and give you freedom where one day it's not even something you desire, where you literally run the other direction with all of your might because you know what it's, it leads to. You know you, there's, a, there's a taste almost that you've had of it and you go, no way. I want nothing to do with that. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love I love the power of testimony because even hearing Crystal share, I was thinking last week when we went all through um, Romans 6, and we, she was actually referencing verse 13 where it says, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. Um, and then it goes on actually, and the question becomes basically, how do you walk free from sin? And right here in, in Romans 6, it's revealed, it says, yielding yourself to God. That word present means yield yourself to God. Just yield yourself. And if you think about the power of her testimony, it wasn't so much that she muscled her way through it. She just perpetually yielded herself to God. And honestly, I mean, has it been five years? It's been five years. I mean, and all of us you know that along the journey, there's probably very many impasses where Crystal could have chosen a different way. And even really, even understanding true grace and I, I personally feel as though even when you hear a testimony of victory, because that's really what this is. It's a testimony of she, she's overcome. Obviously, it's, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, but she's overcome what really could have destroyed her life. But that testimony of victory comes because instead of her thinking, I'll just live this way and just ask for forgiveness, or I'll almost, the blood of Jesus is enough to cover me, that would have enabled her almost to live in constant defeat. It was the understanding that even, like she said, it's a completely different life. Like she's been delivered out of death, which that is what sin is. It's death. And so there's no room to make excuse or to make even room for it in our lives. It's the identifying that it's death, but that she's come into a place of life. And that's why I love the power of testimonies. Really, ultimately what you hear is it's scripture, but it's, it's scripture being lived out in an individual life. And it's being manifested before you. Um, but Audrey, why don't you come and actually share with us how you met Jesus? Audrey's going to be baptized today. Um, 
And so we're excited for her and just even kind of the new place that she's taking and the new stand that she's taking along the journey. But we really want to hear from you as far as what Jesus... I'm going to make room here so that I understand. But what Jesus has done in your life, Audrey, and how you met Jesus and what his... Um, probably like the easiest thing to do is if you want to answer two questions like how you met Jesus and then define what was your life like before Jesus and then say since you've met Jesus how has your life changed okay. um, well I want to apologize to you guys for being super late um, that probably wasn't really cool but uh, <laughs> we were having like a little mini sermon in the car so um, anyway but uh, I actually it's been like a year now since I started going to, or coming to J-Hop, um, I met Jesus through my cousin, and she pretty much just called me up one day, and she was, well, after like a, a few years of just pursuing me, she was like, hey, do you want to come see Heidi Baker speak? Hey, do you want to come listen to this lady speak? Hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like, not really. Like, I have some things that I could probably be doing. I don't want to go listen to these people speak. So I finally broke down. I said yes. And um, after, like, two or three months of um, just kind of tarrying, like, do I want to really leave my old lifestyle? Do I really want to do this? I finally broke down, and I just started coming to J-Hop a little bit more regularly. And um, I think that's how I encountered the Lord first. I mean, that's how I kind of um, came back to the mm. Lord. So, is that, is that good? Yeah, it's very <laughs> All right, good. so um, my life kind of before that, uh, I also grew up in a very conservative Christian home. Um, only, I grew up without a dad, so I didn't know my biological father for the first 20 years of my life, and, um, so I was kind of that person who was, like, super stubborn, like, I could always do stuff by myself, I could always move on on my own, and, um, so I kind of grew up in the church, and even as Crystal was saying, like, I didn't have that, um, real knowledge and encouragement of, like, consecration and being the salt of the earth and holding yourself kind of, um, to a higher standard than, the way other people of the world live. So when I was in middle school and in high school, I kind of fell away um, from the church. I mean, I didn't see a lot of people uh, living with this authenticity for Christ. And so I fell away. I also um, fell into, like, promiscuity. But I think the only difference is, is that, like, after I broke up with all my boyfriends and all that stuff and got a job and you know, got out of school, I would go home and I would smoke pot a lot, I would, I was kind of that person who was like, the world doesn't understand me, and I can do it so much better on my own, and I would just go home and like, kind of sit there and just escape from everything, and uh, I think coming to the Lord was just really uh, a point of like, breaking away, and now I don't have to go home and do drugs, and now I, I don't have to like, be that person who's angry with other people because they're not doing things a certain way or they're not understanding me and now I can kind of just go and sit before the Lord and be like 
here I am, <laughs> working me. What is it that you want to show me? What is it that, you know, you're trying to teach me through this person who's just really not getting it? Or <laughs> what do you want to show me? Like, what is it within me that needs to change? And um, I think that's kind of just where I am today is really of holding myself to that consecration and, and really learning how to be the salt and the light of the earth. is um, hearing both of these testimonies is really even the power of relationship and how the Lord uses people like he uses people to minister to us to encourage us and and really even with baptism today it's even that place in the midst of a community of the profession that's being made and even the declaration of us as a community walking alongside of them and even being committed to see them come into fullness of being really je jealous for the fullness of God in one another. Um, Lexi, we'd love to hear as little or as much, don't feel any pressure. I mean, it can be, if you wanted to share like two sentences of how you met Jesus. Can I say my seat? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, my journey of meeting Jesus wasn't really, um, like I can't point to a single moment, um, but it was a long process um, that started when I was pretty young, like maybe five years old. Um, and it was during college that I really decided that I wanted, I wanted whatever life God had for me. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a split second decision of changing over, um, but the process of learning to understand that Jesus actually loves me um, was a longer, um, was a longer struggle for me than the choice to actually follow him. And I, most of my life I've I've known that I wanted God, and I wanted whatever God had for me, but didn't know that God wanted me back. So, like Bethany was saying earlier, um, about yielding to God, for me that means presenting myself to God as I am, with all my shame and all my guilt and all my um, insecurity, and, um, and just saying, here I am, and here's all of it, and I'm not going to try and fix it before I come to you, and I'll just like, you know, come and love me anyway, and I'm going to... I'm going to believe that you love me anyway, even though this is, this is what it all is. <laughs> so, um, so that's one thing that, that's one reason I'm being baptized today, is to sort of break off the attitude of defeat that mm. you mentioned. Mm. Of, of saying, you know, I present myself exactly as I am, mm. and I'm, I'm going to have faith that God loves me, mm -hmm. not just that he's there, and not just that I want whatever he's offering, but that mm -hmm. um, he, he loves me and he wants me free from those things. Mm. That's good. That's very good. That's great. That's great. Well, why don't we go ahead and pray together as a group, um, and then um, the bathtub's being warmed. <laughs> we have a bathtub in here, and we're going to go ahead and um, baptize these two ladies, and we're going to pray for them. Father, we thank you for the power of testimony, and even as um, the testimonies that we've heard, Lord, these three young ladies, Lord, of even how your hand upon them, how even through the power of salvation, Lord, that they have experienced the overwhelming love of God that has already transformed their life. But God, we thank you, Lord, even what's done today, God, it's done as an act and even a declaration 
that our life has been buried, that it's been crucified with Christ, that the sin nature does not rule, it does not reign, that it does not um, lord over us, but that it has been put to death, and that even as they um, come up from the water, that they are raised together with the life of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that this is the testimony of Jesus Christ, that you raise lives in righteousness, that you raise lives in newness. So, Lord, even right now, God, we testify, Father, that you have not destined and ordained us to live in defeat, that you have not ordained us for bondage to sin. But, Lord, that you have ordained us for freedom, that you have ordained us for liberty. So, God, we thank you even today for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we believe you, God, that every tie from the past would be severed. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that every voice of accusation would be silenced in the name of Jesus, that the power of sin and death is broken in Jesus' name. And, God, we thank you for newness of life, Father. We thank you for seeing rightly, for hearing rightly, for perceiving rightly, Father. God, we thank you for a washing away, Lord, even as the water washes over them. Lord, yes. we thank you for the washing away of the past yes. and Lord being raised together and even walking boldly into the future and the destiny that you have for these, these young women. God, we thank you. We call forth the fullness of God. All that you have destined, all that you ordain, Lord, as a community of people, God, we say we want all that has been made available through Christ Jesus. Lord, we say that we want the fullness of that which the cross made way for. Lord, we say that we are not those that are willing to be robbed or scandaled from the beauty of the cross. But God, we long for our lives to demonstrate and manifest the man Christ Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, in all of his power, in all of his love. God, we thank you, Father, for the fullness of Christ to be made manifest in our life, Father. Lord, we even ask, God, as a corporate body, even today, Lord, would you wash us, Lord, from any place that we have even made resolve with death in a sense of defeat and despair. Lord, we ask, Lord, would you wash us, Lord, of any place, God, that instead of dreaming the dreams of your heart, Lord, instead of being envisioned and emboldened to go after the fullness of Christ, Lord, that we have been um, willing to even eat from the beggar's table, to sit as beggars. But God, we thank you that you call us, Lord, to sit and to dine and to feast upon the fullness of all that you've made available. So God, we say, God, today, ruin us with higher vision, God. God, ruin us with higher vision of what you have called us and ordained us for. God, we ask, Lord, even in the midst of this fast, awaken hunger within us, God. Awaken spiritual desire. Lord, we say that we will not be those that are bored and disconnected from the heart of God. That we will not be those that are swept away in dullness or despair. Lord, even as the psalmist David declared, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lord, we say that we are not those that will lie down and sleep the sleep of spiritual slumber. But God, we long for hearts that are fully awakened. Lord, we long for spirits that are fully alive. Lord, we long to be those that yearn for the fullness of God. God, we say, God, mark us with greater vision. Yes, Jesus.
God, we just thank you that today, Father, Lord, that we would even be awakened, Lord, afresh and anew. God, we say, Lord, any place, God, that we have not been able to rightly declare that we are hungry, Lord, hunger that drives us and calls us and provokes us to change and reprioritize our time so that we might have you the object of our hunger. God, we say, Father, any place, God, that we haven't truly been hungry, God, we say, make us hungry for your fullness, God. Lord, the kind of hunger, Lord, that will go to any length, Lord, that would go to any measure to attain the object of its desire, Father. God, we posture our hearts. We posture our lives. Lord, we position ourselves, Lord, to hear from you more clearly. God, we say, God, come and challenge every idol in our life. Jesus. Come and challenge everything that robs us of time and devotion to the man Christ Jesus. Lord, come in your jealous fire. Lord, we cry out, Lord, for the fire of your jealousy. Lord, to possess our hearts, to possess our minds, to possess, to possess our desires. Thank you, Father. So God, we thank you for the power of the cross. Lord, the manifestation of your kingdom, Lord, even here today, Father. We worship you. Um, okay, why don't we have Audrey and then um, Crystal so that you can, because we can, I mean, anybody's welcome that would like to participate, but we're kind of limited on, on how many we can fit in there. Um, why don't we have um, Steve and Melina um, so you guys can come and pray over um, Audrey and Noah and GA. I'm just trying to get some of us in there so we can actually pray over Audrey when she's... Um, are you having a... Yes. Okay. I have something for you. Jordan. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I don't want Jordan to leave. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry.
Thank you. 
Anybody that friends Anthony with you that wants to pray, yes, you feel welcome. Yes, <laughs> Father, we just bless you. We love you, Jesus, so much, God. We just thank you for your heart toward your children, God. We thank you for Lexi and the tenderness of her spirit, God, that you so long for and desire. God, I, I thank you that you look upon her as a daughter, God. You look to her and you and you cherish her, God. You, you love the inner workings of her heart, God. You love the way she meditates and thinks about things, God. You love the way she processes things, God. You love every intricate detail about her life. And I'm just praying that a, a season would break over her life, God, where she would understand that past a, a mental ascent, God, that, Lord, there would be an expression of your love that would reach her heart, God, in a whole new dynamic way, God, that would just totally ravish her, God, and give her new understanding and light, God, to the love of, of, of who you are for her, God, as a father. In Jesus' name. Father, we just speak over our sister, Lord. We ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon her life. God, even as she continues on in, um, through the week, God, and, and going into even this next year, Lord, we ask for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit upon her. Yeah. Lord, every place where there's been abandonment, God, every place where there's been even insecurity, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and fill every void, every need, every longing and every desire. Holy Spirit, we ask that the, the fruits of the Spirit would be present in our sister's lives. God, that there would be a, a work that would happen that would be a noticeable difference to those around her. Father, new creation, new image, new identity. Holy Spirit, we just ask for a Filling and from the innermost being, Father. We ask for dreams and visions to be present in her life. God, we ask for clarity of your voice upon her life. God, that there would be no questioning, that there would be no going back. But, Father, there would be only be a going forward by the strength of the Holy Spirit within her. Lord, I just pray you lift every every bit of confusion over direction, and I pray that you would bring her confidence, yes. God, that you are leading her steps, God, that you're guiding her, that, Lord, you have your her way planned before her, Lord Jesus, and I pray just a deep rest would settle over her spirit, God, in terms of where she's going and what she's going to do, Lord Jesus, that there would be such rest and peace and praise, God, that would come out of that place knowing that you're sovereign over her life, God, that every little detail, God, that you've orchestrated and that she can just rejoice in, in your counsel. She can rejoice in your timing, God. She can rejoice in every process you carry your heart through, Lord. So we just declare rest over her spirit, God. No anxiety, no fear, no worry, but peace, God. That, Lord, you direct and guide the steps of your children, God. Lord, I just lift up Lexi to you. I ask that in this new season of her life that you would begin to just open doors for her. Lord, that, that any question of who she is would just be answered slowly and by you. Lord, I ask that who she is and her spiritual giftings would just begin to, to unleash themselves in this season. And Lord, that she would just yeah, become a, a bolder and more fierce person in her spiritual giftings. And Lord, that she would just begin to rejoice in those giftings that yeah. you've given her. Amen. 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 Amen.
Yeah, upstairs. Just take her upstairs. Yeah, upstairs.
midst, Lord, we thank you. God, for the witness, Lord, of the, the witness of your, the nearness of your spirit amongst us, God. I ask, Lord, that as we leave this place, Father, that we wouldn't turn it off, but, Lord, we would take it with us, Lord, that, Lord, your presence would go with us wherever we go, Lord, that we would have the sensitivity of heart and spirit. God, come and encounter our lives, Jesus. Come, have your way, Lord, this week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, we're going to just close out here. There was a sign-up sheet that we had going somewhere. Where, do you know what it is? Did anybody see the sign-up for Right there. Is that it? Uh, we're going to be we're been fasting. How many know that we've been fasting for a couple weeks here? And um, we're going to kind of break it with some fellowship and a potluck dinner um, this next Sunday, right? Yep. Here, right at the house, right after service. If you're interested in being part of that, we're just going to have a little sign-up sheet here. Um, and we're, we're, you know, it's potluck, so we're looking for some help, maybe from some people that want to bring some dishes. So if that interests you, please just sign up your name and the dish you're going to bring. Uh, and we love you. We hope to see you next Sunday. And have a good week. Amen? Amen. It was I wasn't against it. So, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I